for another edition of Terry's Talkin, Cleveland.com's weekly podcast with your host, David Campbell, sports manager at Cleveland.com, and Terry Pluto, award-winning columnist for The Plain Dealer and Cleveland.com. Terry, nothing going on. Really no, not at since all. Since we last did our podcast. I wrote nine stories last week. Even for me, that's a lot. <laughs> so the last time we talked, the Browns were apparently out of the Deshaun Watson sweepstakes. And then two days later, I'm in Pittsburgh at the Ohio State game. Uh, and we're thinking it's, it's done. And all of a sudden it breaks in the afternoon that this Deshaun Watson deal has happened. Uh, let me run through it real quick. And then I want to get your take on it. There's obviously a couple of, uh, ways we need to discuss this. So the Browns are getting Deshaun Watson and they're getting a sixth round pick in 2024. And they are giving the Texans first rounders in 22, 23, and 24. They're also giving them a fourth this year which is number 107, a third next year, and a fourth in 2024. So, Terry, I know you've written columns about you don't like this for a number of reasons, and I, I just want to let you kind of get your your feelings out there right at the top here. So let's get into it. Okay. I mean, the the thing that – I mean, I didn't like it for one thing with all the charge that's still hanging over him and that. And I understand that he's been cleared from the criminal point of view, at least for now. Uh, just for, for just to be a stickler uh, on things, when you're not indicted by a grand jury, they still can come back after you criminally. I don't think they will, but it's not double, quote unquote double jeopardy. So we'll see. So that's one one problem. Secondly, um, his agent should get like agent of the decade for pulling this off because the Sean Watson had a no trade clause. Originally, it seemed like what it was going to be about is teams would come in talk to Watson and his agent, get a comfort level, you know, and then make a deal with the Texans and pick up the three years left on his contract. Somehow during all this, and I guess the agent smelled that a lot of these teams are very, very quarterback desperate, not just the Browns. He turned it into a contract renegotiation. So forget the three years that were left, you know, we want a whole new deal or we're not coming. And so it ends up with, you know, the Browns were eliminated. They announced that the first team eliminated and that the Browns went back in with a record setting contract of five years, 230 million fully guaranteed. Uh, I don't care about Jimmy, uh, Jimmy Haslam's money. I mean, he's, he's getting $11 billion from Warren Buffett for pilot flying J. It's not that, but remember in football, you got a real salary cap and you have to be very careful how you spend. Also uh, all these other contracts, whether it's Aaron Rodgers or Patrick Mahomes, the rest of them uh, are not fully guaranteed. Uh, and this this will be interesting. I bet Jimmy Haslam at the owners' meeting is not going to be the favorite guy of the other owners, uh, seeing him do that. But this is the highest total guaranteed money ever in NFL history, and they gave it to a player uh, who sat out last year and who has you know just come through this. So then there was a third thing. Three number ones and all the other picks, you said. The last time three number ones were in a trade was 1989, a Herschel Walker deal. So from a if, – if Watson had had a tremendous year this past year and there was nothing at all in his background, even then, frankly, it's a stretch to do this, but I could see you doing it, you know, the cost of it. But with these other things, um, it, it just really bothers me. It bothered me then. It bothers me now. I mean, I'm not going to hammer the guy all year or anything like that, but I also, in, in basically good conscience, cannot say, oh, go Browns, this is wonderful. 
Well, and Terry, you wrote this last week and it, that it's smacked of desperation, I think yes. was the phrase you used. Mm-hmm. And when I, when I was thinking about this over the weekend, it really had a feeling to me like the Texans and his, and, and Deshaun Watson's agent basically write, Hey, tell us what you want. Here you go. Write it all out and we will meet whatever demands you want. Um, and it, it, both in the contract, as you said, and in the draft picks. I mean, and Watson's agents, by the way, I guess pretty outward. Oh, other teams might have been willing to match it. Yeah, yeah. well. Yeah, right. And, and go ahead. just speaking of the desperation, like the Browns put out their official release on this, I think on Monday. And yeah. then later on, we find out that they've given up an extra fourth round pick. Like yeah, that I, wasn't part of their official release. Yeah, so, I don't know what like, the deal was there. So and um, we need to find that out. Um, I but, asked, I, I did ask around that I got, I don't know, was the answer, which is not a really good answer. Um, and we'll see, we'll learn more when they, well, maybe we'll learn more when they have a press conference, but uh, at least we could ask some of these questions. Look, Watson's a good player. I don't think he's a superstar. I asked somebody from the top level, the Browns tell me they consider him a f- top five quarterback. Um, maybe they do. I don't, but top 10, yes. Uh, good. Yes. And now to be fair for the Browns end of it, Watson had no problems that we know of when he was leading Clemson to a national title, nor in his first several years with the uh, Texans. In fact, he was considered a strong leader, good community guy, good guy, et cetera. Um, Players like him. They want to play with him. That's all true. Uh, And he's 26. So you figure the price of quarterbacks they get even a top 10 quarterback that's going to be around here for the next five years. Uh, I mean, Jimmy Haslam's on the team since 2012. They've had one winning season. Who, I'm not even count the quarterbacks. Too many. He's sick, of, he's sick of losing. He's sick of not having a quarterback. And then, on, you know, on top of it, I think they got a little sick of Baker Mayfield at the end, too. Um, so, all right. Well, Terry, I want to spend a few minutes talking about the, the allegations. Um, the National Center on Sexual Exploitation sent an open letter yesterday, Tuesday, to the Browns and the Haslams expressing their views about, about being disappointed. Um, we've both gotten letters from fans saying, this affects my feelings about the team. I'm not, I'm not bought in on this. Uh, women, obviously, are going to feel the Browns disregarded these civil suits that are hanging out there and making this move. And, and it's going to affect a lot of women in a lot of different ways. Where have you seen fans coming down on this? And what have you seen from, from the fans who've reached out to you? Um, I guess, first of all, is what I was wanting to ask you. Well, I have not gotten a letter from a single female fan that likes it. Uh, I'll say that. Uh, when I first wrote the column, when it broke, I would say 85% of the people agreed with me. It was just really off base for the Browns to do this. Now I say it's closer to half, half and half, David, the people are coming around to us. It was worth it. It's a gamble. Take it. And you begin to hear kind of the moral equivalent of Kareem Hunt or this. I'm for giving players, by the way, second chances. I really am. I'm not for giving a player in a second chance, the biggest guaranteed contract in NFL history. Uh, that's a different cream hunt, you know, and there was a tape of him kicking the woman and so on. He was out of a job when the Browns brought him in. He signed barely more than a minimum contract 
in that contract, there were all these clauses that he had to do to make sure he got paid. Even the, the extension Andrew Barry gave him, $13 million over two years, it's like he's paid in quarter. I mean, he really can't mess up to get the money. And I like that. You know, I mean, I have to admit, even even I was a little queasy about the thing with Hunt, but at least you're, you know, when you when you're bringing him in and saying this is what we expect, and not much is guaranteed, friend. So you better shape up. And what has happened now, you know, hopefully things will continue to go well for Kareem. Kareem has shaped up. He's hooked up a lot with Nick Chubb, was a really good leader. And so that's been encouraging. And you know, Watson may come here, David, and it may just work out great. I, I don't know. It's just not a deal that that I would have made. And um, what did you see? What were our final numbers on people like to trade, didn't like to trade, or whatever the poll we the ran. poll we put up? I did not yeah. look at the final numbers on that, but I, I think that. And we heard this a lot on sports talk radio right after the trade. There are people who are very upset about this. And there are people who are of the feeling, get over it. It's football. Yeah. And these guys aren't all choir boys. And yeah. I've gotten the choir boy letter quite a bit. So right. in the sort of the moral equivalent of, of, uh, well, uh, you know, Bob Kraft owns the Patriots and he went to a massage parlor or whatever. It's fine, but we didn't trade for Bob Kraft, you know? So, I mean, that's, that's it. But I am not going to, you know, we're talking about it today, but this is not something I'm going to continue to dwell on unless something else pops up, you know, on this. Uh, because with all those suits out there, something could pop up. But in the meantime, um, lost in that, and this is not to diminish the, as you mentioned, what you just said, uh, with with the, the criminal, I'm sorry, excuse me, the civil issues, the business issues. This was a very expensive buy, as they say. And in that bothers of, me some. Draft picks, of, oh. salary cap room. It's expensive. You know, and the Browns are counting on the fact this guy's going to play well. And the Browns are going to count on the fact that fans always like the Browns. And they may be correct. But if this doesn't go well, you know, they can't make a ton of moves now. I mean, it could bring in these guys or that. But the salary cap in the NFL, the reason I like it is it doesn't matter if you're in Green Bay, Cleveland, Los Angeles you know, New York and name your market. You can only spend an X amount of money. Everybody spends the same. You never hear an NFL guy saying, I can't get this player because we don't have enough money. What they say is we got salary cap problems. So that's great because it means everybody has to be smart the way they play their hand with their cap and their money. And this is a, a, I mean, the other thing too, that bothered me out the way the contract was, was, was set up. There are two factors in there that is intriguing. Number one was you see the salary for the first year is $1 million. So if he gets suspended, it's, it's, about, it's a bargain basement suspension in terms of what it cost him. Now, here's the other intriguing thing, the, the game within the game within the game for agents. Um, the highest paid player average per year is Aaron Rodgers. Uh, previously to that was Patrick Mahomes. We just had a story about this, but look who just moved in front of Patrick Mahomes. Deshaun Watson at 46 million a year. That's not an accident. That was done by the agent to say that my guy has the second highest contract average per year to help him get. And the Browns went along with that. In fact, the first year he gets a $45 million bonus plus the 1 million salary. This is much like when Frankie Lindor 
signed a $321 million contract last spring with the Mets. So it was $1 million more than Tatis got from the Padres. A lot of money. A lot of money. Um, Terry, sort of like I, what you got. Yeah, right. <laughs> you got one, $1 more than John Grisham. My agent finished second in agent of the year running or agent of the decade. But, but Terry, I, you know, with you talked about the football parts of this, my contention is that of all the Browns off season objectives right now, getting Deshaun Watson, their messaging and they're helping him. They, if you read the statements from the Browns, it's a lot of, we've talked, we've investigated this. We've had yeah. people check into this. We have talked to Deshaun Watson. We believe he's earnest and wanting to do the right thing on and off the field and to build the relationship back. I don't have the exact phrasing here, but right. th this is their number one priority between now and the start. Of, I mean, we're four months away from training camp, but their number one objective right now is to, this is a big thing they, and they know it, believe me, this, this, the, the allegations hanging out there in the civil suits oh, and, sure. and they know that this has hit their fans in a very meaningful way. I mean, there's no, it's no surprise why we haven't seen a press conference yet. I mean, my theory, I, I, I think the Browns are hunkered down in Berea with some crisis communication experts right now, trying to figure out how they're going to address this when they have their press conferences, how they're going to talk about it, how Deshaun Watson's going to talk about it. They're being, this is my theory. I have nothing to back this up. This is just me talking, but I, they're out there trying to figure out how they're going to handle this public relations problem well, that they have every, right now. Every, every team does that when they have something like this, you know, they bring in the others and, and generally they don't run right out in front of public until they have everything together. So that is correct. That's what they're doing. I mean, if you look on the football end of it, one of the things they wanted to do is you do have Amari Cooper. That was a really good move. You know, you got him and you do have Deshaun and they brought in Jacoby Brissett. The other stuff, I guess I'm in a wait and see mode on it. You know, I've said what I had to say, David, and, you know, I'm kind of like, after that, it's, it, I feel like you start to spin in a circle because the next moves will be what, if anything comes with these civil suits. And then also, does he play? How long does, how long is it? Will there be a suspension? I know this, the league can't be thrilled about a, the contract. They don't like fully guaranteed contracts. The only thing that they'll let you fully guarantee is first round. I think it's the first 25 picks in the draft. That player gets like a full four-year guaranteed contract. That's it. They don't like them. Don't want them. Don't like them. Don't start with this baseball and basketball stuff here. That, and, the, and so that secondly, uh, when the league looks at that way, that first year thing with the $1 million, that's not going to set well. So I'm, I'm very interested to see how that plays out. I think the Browns really kind of pushed it there to see what they could kind of get past the league and how the league will react. All right. Well, we spent 15 minutes talking about all this, Terry, and there's so much that we're going to be watching as this goes along, both uh, football and non-football related. And it, it's, it's, it's going to be really fascinating to see how this all plays out. And um, I, I'm trying to figure out how the fans will be feeling about this in July, August, September, and there's no way of knowing there really isn't. So, yeah. um, so let's, the uh, I'm trying to think of what the last week has been like for Baker Mayfield mm -hmm. uh, moving on here. Here's a guy who thought who the team, the Browns told him, we plan to have you be our starter in 2022. 
And it's gone from that to him being demanded to be traded. And Mary Kay Cabot has reported all this out over the last week plus. Uh, the Browns said, no, we're not trading you. Then they went back and, and made the trade for Watson. And now Baker Mayfield is kind of a, a man without a home at this point. Uh, what do you think is going through his mind right now? And how do you see this working out down the road? I'm working on a column right now about how Baker has become what they call in the investment business, a, a distressed property. <laughs> and that actually, this is kind of like when you buy, you know, buy low, sell high. Somebody has a chance with Baker Mayfield to get, I think, a pretty decent quarterback. And I'm not a big Baker fan. I'm not. I mean, I was always okay with Baker, but, you know, he did some things. He's no angel in this either. Uh, He has hurt himself with this, you know, I want to be traded uh, and hints about um, not showing up in camp. By the way, some people have gotten a Mary Kay about that. The what Baker's people never denied it. Yeah. Can we talk about that for a minute? I, yeah. So, so I mean, just, if, if she were wrong way back when they should have come out now, we, we never asked for this. Yeah. So, so back in January, just for people who aren't familiar, right. Mary Kay wrote an analysis that basically said that things weren't all hunky dory between Baker Mayfield and the Browns and the coaches. And that if they couldn't come to some kind of a path forward, that uh, the story said that he and his camp might consider asking for a trade. Right, and, and we talked about it when it happened. Baker kind of went at that reporting and went at her personally. And it, she's been proven to be right. Um, but this whole idea that fans have that media can run players out of town and run coaches out of town is so ridiculous to me. Like, there's no way that Andrew Barry or the Haslams are sitting in their offices thinking, well, geez, I wonder what such and such beat writer, or I wonder what Terry Pluto, you know, if Terry Pluto thinks we should make this move or get rid of so-and-so, uh, we better do it. The people who run these teams care about winning and making money. And also, I right, and, right? And all, yes, David, and on top of that, the days of there just being one or two sports voices in town or something like that, that carried a lot of clout are over. Uh, media is much more, it's larger, it's more diverse, it's from different areas. So uh, it, it, it really isn't. But to the point being that like right now, uh, when Mary Kay reported that, you know, Baker strongly considered not reporting for the Browns, he should come out and deny that if it's true. I mean, if his, if he disagrees, because I think that, by the way, is hurting his value. You know, right now he should be saying, you know, I'll do whatever I can because it might help the Browns trade him as opposed to just acting there. Remember, I'm, I kind of like Baker, especially, I mean, I looked again at the stats as I'm working on this count 2018, he set a rookie record for touchdown passes, 27 touchdowns, 13 interceptions and he was even much better david once um they changed coaches secondly last year uh, several analytic sites whatever had of as like a number nine or number 10 quarterback 30 touchdowns and nine interceptions and you know he got them into the playoffs and knocked off the steelers he's done it twice now he was terrible in 21 he was bad in 19 but i could turn around and say i got i could get this guy healthy I could get him on a one-year deal. I could get him desperate to do well because he's got to prove it. And if I'm Seattle or somebody else, I don't, I don't know who else is looking for a quarterback, I'm taking him. And I will say again, whatever happens, no reporter made it happen. 
No, it just happened. No, in Wool- in, in, no in Wool- this is here's what it was. Jimmy Haslam, I'm just telling you, and and the Browns themselves. It's like they've been on this quest for the quarterback forever. Now we could get into you know. Now, Case Keenum has finally left the stable and is out of my, you know, I can't forget <laughs> the game. But one last Case Keenum thing where to pull the horse out for one more walk around the track. That's the Browns' fault that they let Baker play beat up and hurt like that, even if he wanted to, when you had what I consider a viable backup quarterback there. So uh, some of that was Baker, but some of that was him. And, you know, Baker does have, I've written, mature slash insecurity issues. Nonetheless, a lot of these guys do. They quarterbacks tend to actually play better when they get a little older if they're not too beat up. So um, I will. Uh, I like it. I mean, I like the idea that you can get him cheap, but unfortunately, um, for the Browns, his value has been just dragged into the dirt by all this, and and he did some of it himself. Well, there's a, it's a, a giant game of musical chairs, and there aren't a lot of chairs left. I mean, Matt Ryan has gone to the Colts. The Falcons mm-hmm. responded to that by getting Marcus Mariota and Josh Ryan, and it sounds like they might draft somebody. And then you look at the Commanders. They got Carson Wentz. The Saints have signed Jameis Winston. You would mentioned the Seahawks, and they have Geno Smith and Drew Locke, I believe, are the two guys on their roster. Oh, I mean, they got a, he's better than those guys. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think you're right. Um, the Panthers don't have – said they really aren't interested that's the reports we've been well they sort of have their own distressed property and sam darnold yeah right i mean seriously they do so it's it's kind of same draft even so yeah you know mary Kay and dan lobby talked about this on their orange and brown talk uh podcast on tuesday the browns might be lucky to what get a fifth round pick out of this yes because of how it's played out the wrong way for them um but they certainly don't want him to cut him because then you would be um, you, there's a okay, the salary cap considerations. Remember, salary cap is is important. This isn't like other sports. We just throw money at whoever you want and work it out later. You can't. It gets you, and that's why you see. I mean, Amari Cooper is a good player. He got what was the trade of fifth or something? What the heck did the Browns give up for? I forgot what it was. It was nothing. And the guy's a good this, player. Yeah. $20 million. $20 million. That's <laughs> why. Yeah. Now they're reworking the whole thing, but it was $20 million. So going back to Baker, you have to feel for him a little bit. I mean, Baker gutted out I do. the injuries, I do. played through yeah. it all, tried to do the best he yeah. could. And then you look at Mitch Trubisky, who took a backup job in Buffalo. Mm-hmm. Didn't play hardly at all. I don't think he tar- took hardly any snaps the whole season, maybe in mop-up duty. And he gets a deal with the Steelers. And here's yeah. Baker hanging out in the wind. Um, it's It's got to be tough. And I don't know how it's going to end up, but I, I, it, it, I can't I think see how this he, I think he's want. going to go somewhere. And if he gets a decent chance, I think he'll revive his career. I'm not saying he's going to be great or anything like that. But if he only had one good season, uh, say it was only just a rookie year and then things fell apart after that, I'd feel much differently. I cannot discount what he did in 21. I just can't throw that away. All right. Well, we'll see how that turns out. And, uh, you know, Mary, one possibility Mary Kay threw out was the Browns hang on to him through, through training camp. And you know how it is in the NFL. Someone always gets sure. hurt and someone is really in need of somebody and his value might go up then. So 
we will see how it plays out. Terry, I want to ask you one more thing before we move on about off the Browns. Mary Kay has been writing about Jarvis Landry might want to come back mm-hmm. now with the way this roster is being reconstructed and Jadavian Clowney might want to come back. And even last night, a fan on Twitter tweeted at OBJ and asked him if he would ever return to the Browns and OBJ tweeted, LOL, that's an interesting one. <laughs> so was, was Baker the problem with the Browns in terms of a lot of what we were hearing about team chemistry? What do you think? I think there was something to that. But let's also factor into uh, Jarvis had a meniscus injury and missed the first time he's missed time with missed games. And then when he came back, he had something else wrong with him too. OBJ, I mean, he can't stay healthy. That has been the real problem with OBJ, getting all the things he can't stay healthy and bringing a guy back here after he's at, now he's on his second ACL injury in the same knee. Um, no, I'm not going there. I don't want to, you know, replace. I would take Jarvis back on a, on a, on a uh, uh, reasonable contract. You put Jarvis out there with Amari Cooper. Now, now I'm talking like just pure football and Deshaun Watson and those running backs and a line. Um, You'll, you'll go to war with that any time in football. So I would, I, you know, Jarvis, you could play him like a slot receiver or something with that or however you want to. You got they put Donovan People-Jones, who I, I still like. Uh, so from a football standpoint, you add Watson, you add Cooper. Um, that could be very, very positive, assuming you keep Watson on the field and all that. All right, let's take a break, Terry. Just went 25 minutes on the Browns, and uh, there's a lot to discuss, and we'll, we'll keep monitoring things as they go along. So, so we'll take a break. We'll come back. We'll talk some Cavs, talk some Guardians. And I got a Terry's trivia question. We'll be right back on Terry's Talking. We are back on Terry's talking, David Campbell and Terry Pluto. Terry, let's talk some Cavaliers. Cavaliers had a big game on Monday night against LeBron James and the Los Angeles Lakers, and they lost 131 to 120. LeBron came back to Cleveland, 38 points, 12 assists, 11 rebounds. It was kind of like a big love fest there. This is an interesting stat that Chris Fedor had in his game story. It's the 105th triple-double of LeBron's career in the sixth this season. And according to Elias Sports Bureau, the 38 points are tied for the second most in a triple-double against a player's former team in NBA history. So, <laughs> But, uh, you know, LeBron had a happy night. I think the fans probably had a good time. But J.B. Bickerstaff did not have a good time. He was really upset with the defense. And that was kind of the – if you're a Cavs fan, that was kind of the storyline of the night, wasn't it? Yes, it, it was. And, look, to see LeBron play well, and I'm very glad he got a huge ovation for passing Carl Malone. They mentioned that and just in general, that it was um, people feeling pretty good about him and what he's doing is remarkable. This is just unprecedented NBA history, uh, how he's playing at that age. And he's got a chance to be, usually he didn't care about winning the scoring record or winning the scoring title for the, that year. I think he does now because it become the oldest player to do it. And also the Lakers are so bad. He's carrying them. I mean, that's the remarkable thing to me after that game. 
the Browns are the Browns. Oh boy. Here we go. After that game, the Cavaliers were 41 and 31 and the Lakers were 31 and 41. I think anybody who thought that would have been reversed or the Cavs, even at 31 and 41, have been off to have a, a really good season. I think I picked them to win 30 games this year, 30 and 52. So, uh, but as I wrote a column the other day, you look at who's, I mean, what team would you rather have? Well, and you mentioned how young the Cavs are too, and everything's yeah. in front of them. Yeah. Um, I mean, you go market is 24. Allen's 23. Garland's 22. Uh, Coral's only 21. And I believe Mobley's getting ready to turn 21. And there isn't anybody on the team that's a significant player uh, that's going to be a free agent at the end of this year. Even uh, Karis LeVert, I think, has another year in his contract. Uh, so it really looks good. And I like how they built it. I like that JB likes to play defense and wants them to play defense. And so I've enjoyed the whole season. So I want to go back to JB's quote from Monday night, and it's going to set up a question I want to ask you. So JB was asked about how his team played, especially the defense. It was terrible. We did not, (laughs) we did not compete at the level that we needed to compete at tonight to win this game. These are all the learning experiences that we talk about. We got caught up in the show. And instead of doing the things we needed to do and focus on the bigger picture and the tasks that we had at hand, we allowed this moment to overtake us. So the Cavs are fighting to be one of the top six seeds in the East. So they don't have to go into the playoff uh, to the play-in tournament. Looking down the road, I mean, what, there's 11 games left? Um, If the Cavs hold on to number six, they're probably looking at a first-round matchup against Philadelphia, maybe Milwaukee, depending on how things shake out. Will this team go into the playoffs against Giannis or Embiid or, and the lights are on now they're on national TV every night. And, and you kind of mentioned this with the golden state game back in January, when they went out to golden state and got beat and, and JB said that they were kind of overtaken by the moment. Do you think this team is going to be able to go into the playoffs and play the way JB wants them to, in terms of focusing on the task at hand, or do you th- what's the sense you get about how these guys might approach the playoffs or is there any way to know? Well, in general, young teams their first go around the playoffs are not good. It's just, it's just the the NBA rewards experience in the postseason. And I remember talking to uh, Stan Van Gundy and a couple other coaches. But Stan was said that here's a real difference too. He said uh, veteran teams actually know how to prepare. They don't always do it during the regular season because it's one game after another. He says, but like when I would hand out, when playoffs come and I'm handing out scouting reports and cut ups of video for these guys, he goes, they didn't just look at them there. They took them home. He says, you weren't getting a lot of that. He goes, they took them home the regular season. They didn't look at it. But he said, they really are in the playoffs because as you mentioned, the lights are on, the games are on national TV, they're watching. So I think the Cavs have to be ready for that. Uh, But there's just no way of, I know the Suns last year, you know, were a team that kind of went real far in Atlanta. Suns, of course, were led by Chris Paul, and and um, Booker has, has been in the league longer than people think. I believe it's his fifth or sixth year, so they're they're a little older than you than than are aware of. The Hawks were a surprise uh, to go as far as they did. I just think, though, in general, this is a year about getting into the playoffs, learning, and finding an identity of what kind of team they are. That's why. Uh, Bickers that's relentless on this defense thing. He's not going to let it go. And I, I'm glad stay there. 
you build a team this way, keep building this team this way. And you got a chance as time goes on to really go somewhere in the postseason. I mean, like they may not have Jared Allen in the postseason. That's hard. It's really hard. What they're doing, they're five and four since Allen got hurt with Mobley carrying a huge load. And and Garland, you know, if you're facing Garland in the postseason, you're going to beat him up. Just like these the teams used to like to do at Mark Price. Uh, and but I love I love the team. I love the way they play. I like the way they're coached. I think Lori Markinen is a trade that I just yawned at when it was made. I think it's a terrific deal. Poor Larry Nance Jr., just one of my favorite. I go back to watching him in high school and covering his dad. Can't stay healthy. And uh, marketing means a lot to these guys. So good for them. But I think we'll see a few more times where JB saying we got caught up in the show. Yeah, and, and you're so right about teams needing to kind of earn their not earn their yeah. dues, but just go through the battles in the playoffs. And everybody mm-hmm. thinks of the Warriors and raising Larry O'Brien trophies and the and the banners and everything. But I remember one of Curry's early years, uh, Steph Curry. They were I think they got eliminated in the second round, and they gave Steph Curry the microphone to talk to the crowd after they got yeah. eliminated at home. And he basically said, "Hey, thanks for being here with us. This is just the beginning." we're headed for some great things. I mean, he was right, but it's like people forget those growing moments. And so the, maybe this, maybe you're right. This might well, be Michael grow, Jordan got year. knocked out in the first round um, by, I want to say Detroit. Detroit. Yep. And another year I might've been Boston. I, I'm, I forgot about that. So he struggled early in his career. And I remember when uh, I actually covered the series, when they finally got past Detroit, and it was a huge deal to him because it, they just they were a better team than the Pistons probably the year before and that year when because they had that young team with Grant and and Pippen and Michael and I think I think Paxson was on that. This was before they got Steve Kerr and those guys, but um, but they they weren't ready to get past the, the Pistons were you know the bad boys. They were a tough team. Mm-hmm. It took a while getting knocked around to figure out how to beat them. Yeah, and we also on the last dance, the Pistons just walked off the court after yeah, that. Yeah, they did. Before exactly. the game was over, they just left. They didn't shake hands or anything. I think there was still time on the clock. So. Yeah, they did. <laughs> Mahorn and those guys, Isaiah, were out of here. Yeah, yeah. All right, there's some big games coming up for the Cavs. Uh, they have, they've been off since Monday. They're playing Thursday night at home against Toronto, which is right behind them in the standings. Mm-hmm. I think there's a game separating them between 6th and 7th, and the Cavs are home against the Bulls on Saturday. Then they're Monday, Wednesday, Thursday next week, home against Orlando home against Dallas on Wednesday and the next Thursday, the 31st they're at Atlanta. So, all right, Terry, we have some baseball to talk about. The Indians have been signing arbitration eligible players. And Paul Hoynes wrote about this yesterday. They're they've gone seven for seven. They've gotten everybody signed. Shane Bieber was kind of the headline yesterday. They agreed with him on a one year, $6 million deal. He made about 680 grand last season. Um, Bieber's now the second highest player second highest paid player on the team behind Jose Ramirez, who makes 12 million. Um, they've also signed deals with Ahmad Rosario, 4.95, Fran Mil Reyes, 4.55, Austin Hedges, 4 million, Cal Quantrill, 2.51, Bradley Zimmer, 1.3, and Josh Naylor, 1.2. What do you make of all that? Well, it's always better to get him signed to go to arbitration because that gets ugly. Unless you were Trevor Bauer, remember, he just wanted to go all the time because he, quote, unquote, I enjoyed the process. Because <laughs> uh, he also enjoyed conflict. And, I mean, I'm glad they did it. They, you know, they clearly do need to, to do something. They wrote a column 
last Sunday about how um, they're going to use Rosario some in left field. And I hope they really do look at that, uh, especially if they can't get another outfielder. They cannot come back with Mercado and Zimmer playing on the opposite sides of Miles Straw. I still think they're going to sign somebody. Um, I think their view is we can wait, we can bargain shop, we'll pick up someone. I am a little concerned on the bullpen. I know you, you know, Karen check, I guess it's has a little, I saw Paul Hoynes didn't, didn't Hoynes eat something, but Karen check's got a little something going on with his arm or something. And uh, you got Quasse. They just, they needed some of those older guys that they always used to pick up. Um, I was talking to somebody from uh, the guardians and they were telling me that uh, now with the, this, you could play more games with your roster with the 60 man, injured list and that so what they're doing is stashing some of players who maybe weren't all that hurt on that thing and signing some of these veteran guys that used to get minor league contracts now they're getting on on the 40-man roster you know some veterans so i'm not sure what, all that's playing out but uh, that that's why because i just asked why don't the guardians have some of these guys in like they used to in the past on these make good contracts uh, I, I saw a report i guess brian shaw's coming back so that's good. And, you know, we have to remember, usually the hot stove season's over by now, and we're going through spring training, and, and well, it's not really hot stove anymore, but there's free yeah. agencies going on while spring training is going on. It's kind of a, it's kind of a crazy deal right now. So. Yeah, so I'm curious to see if they do anything, make a trade or, or something like that. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of a purist of baseball. I like looking at the young players. A number of their prospects are legitimate. You know, not just I'm not just saying that or the Guardians are just saying that, you know, they have a number of guys that are, are ranked pretty highly by people in the industry, uh, Baseball America and other sources. So um, you you look at I mean, the top four in the batting order are good where you, you got Miles Straw, you've got Rosario, you got Jose and you got Reyes. Uh, and then you have a big drop off. You know, Bradley, I want to see Bradley play. This is sort of a make or break year for him. I think he's, he's, he's out of options. Um, it's time to find out if he's going to hit 35 or 40 homers and maybe hit a few singles and not just strike out all the time and draw walks. If he could do that and be in that fifth spot in the order, that would really help because Reyes will bat fourth was right-handed hitter. Um, and then do you find one of these other younger guys as Gabe Arias or they think this is, um, you change this is change year. Uh, they want to find out about him. I, I expect him to start a second base. So, uh, you know, it's funny the you can't just judge a team by a payroll. It is more than that. It helps, but it is more than otherwise. Why would Oakland and Tampa Bay and, and Cleveland continually have success? You know, they, they find other ways to win. And these other teams keep throwing all this money at everybody and they don't. Now, you, you need to spend some money, but you don't just say, well, here's the payroll, here's where it ranks, and that's your standings. That's, that's not right. That's not fair. Yeah, and we've seen that, as you said, with the Rays and, and I mean, the Indians, Indians were 80, Guardians. 80, yep. I mean, they were 80 and 82 last year, the Guardians were. I mean, 80, that's not bad. I'm not saying that's what it is, but I believe that's the first losing season well, Frank Hunter wasn't here for the whole year in his whole tenure here. And it and was 1882. Of, and a lot of players who probably would admit they underperformed 
in, yep. that, in that wreck in that 80. They had a lot record. go wrong last year with a lot of sore arms and, and that stuff. So yeah. um, I don't know. I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to it. I like baseball. Yeah, it'll be here before we know it, and the days are getting longer, and soon it'll be opening night, which will be weird in its own in its own right. Bad so. idea. <laughs> um, I don't know Terry, why that game isn't in the daytime, but yeah, I think they were trying to do as little reshuffling of the schedule as they could, and TV, I'm sure, figured in. So um, that's why they have a night opener. So um, Terry, I, I, I we got a bunch of letters. I, I was going through them, and they kind of fit into the two camps that we talked about. Most of them, it was all mm-hmm. Deshaun Watson people who were upset by the deal and people who were saying sports writers shouldn't be wet blankets and need to get over it. So I'm, we're not going to do the letters this week. I think yeah. that kind of captures the two themes. If you do want to send us something for next week's podcast, um, you can hit Terry up on his Facebook page or shoot us an email at sports at cleveland.com and put, Hey, Terry or Terry's talking into the subject line. We'll try and get it on. So we will come back to letters next week from fans. So send us your thoughts. Um, Terry, we do have a Terry's trivia question. Okay. And I bet you're going to do pretty well on this one. So you mentioned earlier that LeBron James has moved into second place on the all-time scoring list combined for NBA and ABA. I want to see how many of the top 10 you can get. So Kareem Abdul-Jabbar oh. is number one, and LeBron is number two. Let's see who if you can get any, any of the uh, other top 10. I bet you're going to do all right. It's tricky because you have to think of longevity. Absolutely. Jordan's got to be in there somewhere. Jordan is. He is number five. Okay. Um, I was trying to think. He would have been higher if he hadn't played baseball, which he will tell you anytime you talk to him. (laughs) (laughs) David, on this one, you just heard me choke, and that's exactly what I'm doing. Artist (laughs) Gilmore. Artist Gilmore is in the top 20. I was surprised, but he's not in the top 10. I thought he would have been because he played forever. Yep. How about Stockton? No, he didn't score enough. You were on to the other one. I heard you say Moses Malone. You were starting to say Moses yeah, Malone. Yeah, Malone, Moses Malone. All right, yeah. he's number nine. Shaquille yeah. O'Neal, number 10. Really? Yep. See, so we, we're missing three, four, six, seven, and eight. Number three was a teammate of uh, John Stockton. Well, Caught all of his passes. Well, I thought Malone, that's right, Malone's three. I, th- I kind of threw that out because he had it. Oh, I, you were saying Carl Malone before, not Moses. Yeah, so Carl right. is number three and Moses is number nine. All right, so yeah, that, leaves us, that leaves us number four. Is Gervin in there? He is not. Okay. Played um, for the Lakers. All-time great. Well, Magic is in there? No, he's not. Uh, Kobe Bryant, number four. Kobe. See, that's something I messed up because of how long they played and didn't play. And I'm, and I'm old and I can't remember anything. Uh, yeah, I would not do all well on this one. I can tell you that right now. Number six played for Dallas forever. Oh, Dirk Nowitzki. Dirk Nowitzki, number six. Number yeah. seven um, scored 100 points in a game. Oh, Will. Will Chamberlain. And number eight is the doctor, Julius Irving. See, that's the thing. It's like Irving, I didn't think played long enough when he did. Interesting thing on, on Chamberlain, the 100 points. I did a book called uh, uh, Tall Tales. NBA of the 50s and 60s. It's written, if you like to lose balls, it's a good one to get. I never heard of this yeah, one. Yeah, Tall Tales, NBA of the 50s and 60s. It's the same style. And I really liked it, but not a lot of other people did. It got good reviews, but it didn't sell, whereas loose balls did. Um, I, I interviewed Will Chamberlain for that for an hour and a half. And, no kidding. Oh, yeah. He was great. 
I've had two long interviews with Will in my life. He was gracious to me a long time, very bragging, but funny and all that. He hates the number, the hundred point game. Absolutely hates it. He said it, 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 it kind of makes people think he was just a selfish player. And it was a quirky thing. His teammates wanted him to go for it. They're playing in Hershey, Pennsylvania with like 3,500 people in the stands. And he made 28 of 32 free throws, I believe, on that. Like, for whatever reason, the free throws were going in. But he says, in retrospect, he hates it. He wishes he had never done it. No kidding. And then he starts telling you about how he led the league in assists and a bunch of other things he did. You know, with Will Chamberlain, you had to understand, like, you know, remember what, what, 10,000 women or whatever he said he did, you know, with Will, it's like, if you caught, you know, four bass, I caught six. So whatever you say, he did more. And of course, in many of the stats in the basketball, I mean, one year he averaged 48 and a half minutes for the whole season per game. He never came out of the game. So there are all those things, but on the hundred point game, you mentioned it, um, which I think people think Will is proud of is actually the absolute opposite. And it's always amazing to me, guys who are all-time greats in their sport, They stuff like that bugs them. Like mm-hmm. Wilt, Wilt wanting to be known as, as an unselfish player, like that, it matters. He's one of the greatest athletes in the history of this country. Yeah. And that matters to him when you interviewed him, that he wanted to be known as being more than just a guy who, who was selfish and scored and, and some of this other stuff. And it's like say. he wanted to be known yeah. as like Bill Russell, too, and that in sense that, you know, Russell – and he said, well, how would you like to be Mr. Russell? You were a large man. I'm quoting him exactly because I remember you're a large man of color like I am. You're walking through an airport and these people come up to you and you're Mr. Russell and you have all those championship rings. And they say, how are you doing, Will? Because oh. when they think of someone like that, who do they think of? Yeah. They think of Mr. Chamberlain. I just busted up laughing, you know. It was just like that voice. The rivalry that rivalry went from the court to the airport. This is like, (laughs) you know, they're all in their 50s back then. It's just (laughs) so on that story. Yeah, I love Will. All right. That'll do it. Anything else, Terry? That'll that's it for me. How's um I know you've been signing a lot of books lately. You still have you been signing more books or is that kind of tapered well, hopefully off? Hopefully starting to get some appearances coming in the summer uh for libraries. So that'll be great when they open up. So I'm I'm be able to talk about them and then hopefully sign whether you like the Deshaun Watson trade or he didn't like it, you know what? You're gonna like Vintage Browns, the book. <laughs> And people can find that at terrypluto.com, right? Among other yep, places. You got it. All right. Thanks, Terry. We'll, uh, we'll do this again next week. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And we will catch you next week on Terry's Talking. <laughs>